Shalom, y'all, and welcome to Midnight Theology. For the first time ever, we are coming to you live from Jerusalem. We uh, are going to apologize in advance for any uh, strange noise or uh, bad quality. We're in a hotel lobby. What we have is what we have. But I'm your host, Larry Frank, and I am joined, as always, by Sarah Wank. Hey, y'all. Gabe Wank. Hello. And Adam Penn. Howdy. And we have a special guest with us uh, this evening as well, our phenomenal guide and friend here in the Holy Land, Mick Tahan, who's been with us uh, this time we've been here. Salam, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are uh, just about done uh, with a Holy Land uh, pilgrimage, and uh, we've got a group of 28 people here. And uh, we thought we would share from Midnight Theology uh, what we've been doing while we're here. And we all have different perspectives uh, uh, with this. Uh, I'm a repeat uh, traveler and trip, and trip leader uh, on my, my fifth, fifth trip now, fourth trip since uh, 2017. Uh, all with Mick as, uh, as guide and we've become good friends. Gabe and Sarah, this is their second uh, trip. And Adam, this is your first uh, trip to... Uh, the Holy Land. That it is. Um, and Mick's always here. So uh, <laughs> I live here. Right. He's a resident traveler. So Adam, I want to start with you as the as the first timer. Just your your general impressions of uh, of what this experience has been like for you, and what it'll do for your ministry and your faith. Yeah, uh, it has been like drinking out of a fire hose in the best way possible. The best way possible because there's just, there's so much to take in. You're in an entirely new culture that you've never experienced before, seeing new places that you've never seen before and having all of these deep, meaningful spiritual experiences. It's just almost too much to take in, um, but, but in a very good way. Um, and so I've just been blown away at multiple points uh, throughout this tour. And uh, I think it was Larry who described it as the, the Bible like a pop-up book. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's basically like all of a sudden the Bible just comes alive and you are able to experience these places in ways that you really have, have never and could never experience them without setting foot in them. You know, and, and you're walking in the places where Jesus walked and other figures uh, throughout the Bible, um, being able to, to see these places and, and uh, encounter Jesus in these places, really. Um, and it's just been a wonderful thing. So yeah. we were talking the first night, like how even just the lay of the land makes, uh, helps make Bible passages make sense. We were standing in our hotel in Tiberias looking over the Sea of Galilee and you and I were commenting that it makes a lot more sense now when talking about Jesus went over to the other side. Because the, the, the sea is actually a lake and it's not that big, you know, and the crowds can see him from the shore and, uh, and, and go around that way. Um, so we're just about uh, done. Uh, there's a few more things to see, but what's been uh, the most impactful uh, site we've visited, do you think? For me personally, yeah. uh, I would say Church of the Annunciation. Okay. And simply for the fact, and I know that's weird. Like it's it's weird for me to say that. Like even though we just did the Via, the Via Dolorosa today and visited the very place that Jesus died on the cross, for me personally, what was going on in my own spirit at that moment of walking into the the Church of the Annunciation, which is where uh, the angel Gabriel visited Mary to tell her that she would be with child. Before you even walk into the building, you are being wrapped up into the grand narrative of Scripture, right? You know, the, the doors leading into the church uh, are the story starting with Genesis and ending with the book of Revelation. Um, and then you walk into this grand 
church, this, this, this amazing open space that's so elaborately designed, reflects the glory and work of God, and at the heart of it is this simple, humble home of a peasant girl that God chose to bear the Savior of the world. You know, you talk about putting treasure in jars of clay. Mm. You know, and just, oh, the, the weight of that. Just, like, my, my body could not process. Like, just, I felt like the entire, the entire weight of salvation history was just crashing down on me, and I, I could not even handle it. I couldn't take it. So, if you've listened to our podcast for a while, you know that Adam grew up Catholic. And I did. I was watching him in the church, and I leaned over to Sarah, and I said, his little Catholic heart just exploded. <laughs> um, it was uh, more than it could bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gabe, Sarah, this is uh, your, your second time uh, here in the Holy Land, and there's so many things, I think, that you can miss on a on a first trip, and every trip's kind of different. Uh, you see different sites. Uh, uh, things are worded a little bit differently uh, with uh, with guides and schedules get messed around. Just uh, so, what's this uh, been like for you uh, to come back together uh, and to do it together this time? Yeah, because uh, we both were able to uh, pilgrim, pil- yeah, pilgrimage to the Holy Land in 2020, right before COVID hit. But we went separately on two different trips. Uh, uh, the opportunity presented itself. We could not pass that by, but we get to be here together for the first time, which is so deeply meaningful. And it's just entirely different. I heard this would be the case, you know, but the first time it's drinking from the fire hose. Uh, you are overstimulated, overwhelmed with information in the best sort of way. Um, and this time it's like you're, you don't feel... I think there's a feeling your first time of like, I've got to take every picture, I have to document every moment, I have to see everything, because I may never get to come back, this may be the only chance, I've got to get it. And there's this like um, anxiety to like pull it all in and take in as much as you can, which adds to the overwhelm, right? Uh, the second time, there's not that urgency. Uh, you, don't, you don't have that sense, I don't think, of like, this, I may miss it, right? So I have to get it. So I think there's a, a better chance to, to soak it in, right? To just linger and not feel as rushed. And that, that has helped, uh, especially after the year that we've had, to just kind of slow ourselves um, in the presence of these holy places and holy moments. And it's been much more about, like, God, what do you want to do in me? Or what do you want to say in me in these special places? So as I'm here and I reflect on your story and reflect on your presence, uh, you know, what do you want to do in me? And so it's been a little more um, prayerful, a little more worshipful. Um, and of course, we I got we got to see some sites that I didn't see the first time. So then there's enough newness uh, that it, it leaves you still a little bit eager. Um, because I think one of the things I didn't realize before coming over is the sort of endless possibilities of places to see and things to do. In my mind, it was much more limited to the things you would you would want to see and then you get here and you're like there's no way you could get it all in in one trip i could come for a lifetime and have a new experience every time and so it's been very refreshing and uh i think just much more um slow and personal for me hmm. yeah being here together is, is totally uh, different you know, that second uh, pilgrimage is different for you you haven't met mick before yeah uh, but i got to reconnect with mick our guide again our driver abe they're both connected as a, as a pair but this trip um i'm still processing uh it is not like drinking from a fire hose this time 
Um, maybe it's the garden hose, you know, it's, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it tastes sweet. You get most of it, but you still, that there's still, you just, there's still so much to absorb. Um, yeah, I, I really, I don't have, I don't have the words other than I've taken a lot of pictures. I've done sunrise. A lot of pictures. A lot of pictures. <laughs> I mean, not as many as last time. Um, but one of the sites, uh, this time that I connected with it the first time, but it, you know, the, the garden of Gethsemane. Uh, where Jesus prayed fervently uh, and asked his disciples to pray. This, this place exists uh, on the Mount of Olives. And to walk down that hill next to uh, ancient stones and graves of others um, and to look upon the city of Jerusalem and to weep uh, where Jesus wept. Um, and I did. And I, I'm overwhelmed just to think about it again. Uh, and in this place, the Church of the Agony, the Basilica of, uh, of the Agony, or the Church of All Nations, uh, just, just in this spot where there's rocks that, and 2,000-year-old olive trees that exist now that were with Jesus, that he was in this space and in this place. Uh, and it just really takes me, uh, it makes it personal makes it very personal. Um, so all along, uh, being able to experience this again, uh, to be able to do this with Sarah, um, and to uh, invite others uh, in the future, and that's my hope, I, I think that's our hope, is uh, to invite others in the future to come to the Holy Land, to be a part of this experience, uh, to really kind of, and that's for me the first time, it was everything I've ever heard, everything I've ever learned, and the years and years of study, uh, both you know in high school, college, seminary, multiple times and then to kind of put it into context actual physical rock dust context uh, and Mick has just opened my eyes Larry you have been a, uh, my, my, my guide as well through all of this and all of your study and you're highly gifted in, in retaining this information and explaining what is what isn't what is still in question what scholars have said uh, and just of, of the there's so much, as Adam was saying, there's so much to try to understand, and yet it's just piece by piece, and it comes down to we have a relational God, and you can touch him, and you can see where he was, and you can, you can, you can try to, to make more sense of it as he's continuing to speak to you. I think for me, each successive trip has become <clears throat> a little more like a homecoming. Uh, it feels, feels less like um, like a trip, a pilgrimage work, and, and more like coming home. I, I see Mick, I, I see Abe, I, I know people in, uh, uh, I know uh, some folks in, in, in Bethlehem and recognize faces uh, that you see. And Gabe, you said on the bus as we were um, coming up from the airport when we saw the Sea of Galilee, you said, I can't believe I'm, I'm here again. Uh, and I said, it doesn't change. My heart's still racing. Like as soon as I saw the Sea of Galilee, my heart was, was being like, I, I'm home, I'm, I'm in... I'm in this place, um, and it's just, it, it's been different every time, like I learn something new, I love sharing the information, you guys know that I'm input, um, <laughs> I, I read a lot, I study a lot, I'm going to take Mick's job when he retires. I'm probably going to have to learn Arabic to do it, uh, but that's on the list too, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, and I love I love seeing the Bible come alive for people when I'm here. Like when folks from church come and you guys' church is just seeing them connect the dots. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I love after the fact, um, the impact that like I can see on a Sunday morning 
when I'm talking about a site we've visited and somebody who's been to the Hoyon, I can see their face light up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I've been there, I've seen that. Um, so, yeah, homecoming. And, and also, there was just a bit of this time of, like, I have to get there. Yeah. Like, uh, my dad died in December and um, just... A lot of stuff with with that. I was like, I, I have to, to get here. And I didn't know what for. I just felt like I needed something here. Um, and it was the Pools of Bethesda uh, for me today. Sarah was speaking at the Pools of Bethesda just about the miracle that, that Jesus saw the man. Mm-hmm. And I felt seen by God. So um, that was that was good. And, and, and then, you know, in the evenings we hang out and... And uh, and whatnot. So that's uh, that's all good. That's just our plug, a, a way of saying, uh, come with us to the Holy Land. We're already uh, working on plans for the Midnight Theology Crew uh, to lead a trip in uh, 2024. We come back every uh, every two years, and uh, we're already getting a list to Mick of sites we want to see, and uh, and he can customize all that for us. So you'll be hearing more about that. Uh, but that's enough from us, Mick. We want to hear from you. Why don't you just tell us? Uh, Oh, legendary Mick, just about <laughs> yourself, like you, uh, how long you've been at this, uh, live here, all that stuff. First, I'm very, very happy and grateful that I have friends, met friends like you guys throughout my journey as a, as a tour guide. I started uh, many years ago, and I don't want to say how many, many years ago, but <laughs> <laughs> it was, I feel it was like more of... Um, God big big plan to set me on this path and mm. I I'm I have to say I'm very happy and honored to be in this path because you know I, I live very close to the uh, hill of the Garden of Gethsemane mm. and it was my way to going to school every day mm. and I never understood I was like I'm looking at all these all these rocks stones churches what are they doing there you know as a young kid and then I went and got my college education and came back here and, you know, and I was one of those people who didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in life and then all of a sudden I found myself, I'm a tour guide, a young tour guide working with different groups, you know, experiencing different experiences and all of a sudden I'm right there, you know, with pilgrims Mm -hmm. coming to the Holy Land. And with the years I understood how valuable that is. It was, for me, it's... uh, Today, I mean, it's more than a job. It's more like when I receive the pilgrims, of course, I'm very nervous because mm-hmm. I want to make sure I can do the best I can to make, to help them to see the place and to make them feel this is their home away from home because it is their home. This is the place where they have studied all their life. They read the gospel. They believe in the gospel. We believe in in the path that our Lord has said to us and showed us he did that here in this place and it's such a powerful place that you know every Christian must you know I feel they should come and see it and walk the walk you know we do have lots of old traditions you know it's maybe different to many people but slowly we they get to understand how you know these traditions were very important you know to for the people who come here so you will find these places to be able to worship share the experience understand their history the the the, the, the um, i mean really the 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 suffering the pain they did to to the history they went through you know the um, to to keep it for us so after all these years we come and we can find something so um it's been, I mean, for me, a journey, and I love that journey. I love every bit of that journey. 
and I really, in, I mean, I want to thank the pastors, you guys, I mean, taking the time, the effort, you know, leaving your homes, coming here to try to understand, to see the land, it's important, and you are take, bringing people with you, and you have to take care of them, and, you know, and finding, to, I mean, you're making the time, leaving your families, and, and this is ministry, and I think this is an important part of the ministry. And, um, and uh, I mean, for me, for us here, we're, I mean, many guides are doing it, you know, some people, everybody has a different perspective, but my perspective is I want to try to do it as long as I can to help as much people to come and see it. And it's, um, it's, um, it's ministry, you know, for, in different ways. You yeah, know. I think, yeah. you know, I think one of the misperceptions is sometimes people think it's vacation-like. Even some of our pilgrims kind of in the beginning are like, you know, I'm on vacation. It's a pilgrimage. It won't feel like vacation. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a pilgrimage, yes. Yeah, and I think it, it does so many things. But two of the things that I think are so powerful is what we've named. Um, I say it, it's fun to watch the lights turn on for someone. That's kind of how I say it. Like um, that, that they've had all the pieces of the puzzle. They've been studying the story, and when they get here and this pop-up book comes to life, it's like the light bulb moment, the aha moments, and they get personally um, sort of inspired and rejuvenated. I, I think it's also underestimated that it's like another step in discipleship, right? Um, you know, we have very regular things of discipleship in the church. You go to church on Sunday, you pray, right? You serve the church, you serve your community, you read your Bible, uh, but this pilgrimage seems to add a level and layer of commitment and discipleship to folks' lives that I think we don't consider back in the States. And also when you come to the Holy Land, you're not just seeing people coming from the U.S. You see how Christianity has spread throughout the world. Yeah. And all these people coming, you know, to the whole, from different backgrounds, they're coming and they're sharing the same, getting the same. This helps us to understand we should be united, understanding yeah. the, really the gospel, work with the gospel. We can be different in different perspective, but the, the core is there, you know, the, the, the what the unites us, yeah. The resurrection, ascension of Jesus. And, and, and you see it here, I mean, just seeing it here, and, and also seeing the layout of the land helps people understand many of the stories. Yes. And really that helps a lot to strengthen their understanding and their faith in how things happened. Yeah. And uh, just, I think that's a different perspective. And, and as pastors, part of the reason we, I think we put this sort of commitment and excitement into doing it is because as people's lights come on, they take another step in discipleship that pushes them to want more of Jesus, that joins them in this greater connection. What I think what happens is they go back to their churches and that rubs off on people. It stirs up sort of awakening and inspiration in the local church too. It's amazing what a couple of people with the lights on in a new way can do for those folks who may not get the chance to go um, or just aren't in that place. Um, and the flame. it fans the flame. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Mick, you've, you've lived here your whole life, and you've done the, the tour guide thing for a long time, and you're still so passionate about it. Like, uh, I remember one, one trip, we were coming up on the Mount of Beatitudes, and you made the comment that it was like you were seeing it for the first time. 
you know, so how, how do you keep it from becoming just just work? Like I think the only thing that makes it work for me is the when I I receive new people and I see I look at their faces and I feel you know that they are I connect with them and I feel you know I'm I see it in their own eyes again and again that helps me a lot you know it just keeps my you know my spirit going I feel like you know I have to these these people made a long trip it's a once in a lifetime trip and something gives me the just the strength and the vision just to keep it going every time I find a special place in the same this one time I could be the sea I love the Sea of Galilee sailing the Sea of Galilee but the people helps me to bring and this is why I invite people as like come over come you have to come to the Holy Land at least once in your lifetime to see it and you know I mean there's so much to see but just even just to walk through the walk and just take it all slowly in and you can take all the pictures but and then the, the week goes very fast but when the people come back they will remember they will reflect and every time they are reading the gospel it's not going to be the same you know you might hit me for saying this but uh, it just occurred to me I mean it didn't not occur to me before but you're a pastor you're doing you're doing a ministry and quite literally shepherding the sheep I mean that's big to say to me but you know, I mean I appreciate it but I I, I try you know I mean I, no, but we have this conversation is, it's just you and Adam and I had this conversation earlier today you said you weren't a theologian you, you very much are and like we we see your passion shining through in so many places like like you were uh, we were up on Temple Mount um, today and you were talking about when the Messiah returns and, and you were so passionate you were starting to preach a sermon and the security guards were creeping closer and closer because Mick was preaching a sermon well and like you're introducing to pe- people to Jesus in a new way yes. you're helping them grow in discipleship you're teaching and instructing them you're shepherding them. And, uh, and, and, you know, as in the life of a pastor, we, we encounter hard things, things we don't want to do, uh, like you. And the thing that keeps us going is watching the lights come on for people, yeah. watching them become inspired. Yeah. So, see? Same, same. We're pastors, you're pastors. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> so, um, uh, what do you think makes some of the biggest misconceptions are about traveling to the Holy Land? Like... That, that uh, like we hear people say, oh, is it safe? Whatever. Like, what's that like from your perspective? It's, it's the media, you know, the media, TV, you know, the news. Always, I, I think, you know, I mean, I can understand because you live far away. You don't know if you come out of your comfort zone. Is it going to be dangerous? It's always trust in the Lord. Number one. Number two, people on the other side are like you guys have the same issues. We all have safe. If it's not safe, we will tell you not to come. Yeah. So just. Don't watch, you know, fake news. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, seriously, and I mean, we have a, such a safe country. I mean, you guys have been here many times. You've seen children, little children with backpacks. They're four years old, five years old, walking to school by themselves, getting on the bus by themselves. How safe can that get, you know? It cannot get safer than this. So, so I mean, it's fine. Just trust in the... This is why you guys are here. We've been here before. 
Ask your, the pastors, ask people who've been here, they'll tell you and trust their word because it is true. There's nothing... So safe. Yeah, so very safe country, very safe place. I remember place. on my uh, last pilgrimage, uh, and this might get me kicked out of the podcast, but uh, <laughs> uh, the, some of the locals, you know, when they were asking about our feeling of safety and things like that, you know, we all said, oh my gosh, we, we feel so safe. And, and they shared in return, they said, you know, what you hear or read or see in the news, you know, makes you think certain ways about us. <laughs> and then he said, but remember, we get that in reverse, too. We see American news. It's dangerous. And, and go, oh, we don't want to go there. It's dangerous. <laughs> they, they shoot people in the malls, you know, like, oh. yeah, you know, it's not safe. If, and, it, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Uh, there's a misconception, right? And I and I found it sort of funny, right? That like, um, yeah, they would go, oh, I wouldn't, oh, I don't know that I want to go to America. Yeah. It's not safe. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there are places, there are, uh, in this country, I feel safer than I do walking around some areas of Peoria. Yeah, you know, all places, you know, like, like, and that's 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 my home area. I mean, I, I, I there's an adjustment piece to the way military and security and police work here, um, but I, I feel uh, very safe. So that's that's something we hear from people, and then um, uh, could you just talk for a minute, Mick, about what what COVID did. Um, to, to the tourism industry and people's livelihoods here, here in Israel and, and the folks in the West Bank who rely so much on tourism? Well, tourism is a big, um, big part of people's livelihood. And um, uh, I mean, COVID stopped everything. So we didn't have any tourists coming until a few months ago. And, and um, in the West Bank, of course, it hit more than Israel. Israel is a more developed country, they did help the locals, especially in the tourist industry at the beginning, but in the end, the first six months, one year, you know, they got, got we, we got some help, then after that, nothing. So at some point, we kind of lost hope. It's like, when this is going to end? But after two years, things started to move back again. We hope the tourists will come back. COVID did have a great impact, changed everybody's life the same like everywhere else in the world. but. We hope, you know, I mean, we sell through that, uh, those, the, that storm is hopefully it's gone. We put it behind us and we look forward, you know. Well, and I think we, we underestimate, you know, for us, the, the Holy Pilgrimage is Christians coming um, from America, right? We're very, we're very sort of self-centric in that way, you know, but there are um, Muslims, the world, right? Yeah, yeah, Muslims, and, and Jewish so families and course. Christian families and from all over the world. And so um, it wasn't just that, like, we stopped coming, it's that everyone Everybody, stopped coming. It just stopped. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, it's so significant. It was very difficult. Yes, very significant. To, especially the areas like where the holy sites are like Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Tiberias, Jericho. I mean, we depend on our, the livelihood is from tourism, from all sorts of tourism. And everybody's welcome. You know, we welcome everybody. We don't judge anybody of what denomination he comes or what clan he has. But we, you know, we, we also like to people to learn to see the, what's happening here, you know how the people behave, you know, and just to respect the place and the people because it makes 
you know, learning, you know, learning is both ways. You it's know, a, it's goes, a whole other layer yeah, of the learning yeah, that occurs yeah. on a trip like yeah. this, other than just when, how it enriches your biblical yeah, knowledge. We don't culture. judge the people, so we want them to come also in a little bit to understand, you know, we have, you will see people with different backgrounds, so we, we give space to each other, you know, we try yeah. to learn, you know, from each yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, like, um, an example of that is Americans, I think, get intimidated at, like, language barriers, and, you know, will they be comfortable in communicating? And I think it was lost on me uh, that, that a good chunk of people in other parts of the world speak two and three languages and English among them. So, um, you know, I, I don't think any of us are uncomfortable with the ability to navigate or communicate. And then the cultural exposure of, like, seeing that, like you said, like, other people are like us, right? We are the same. And uh, we deal with the same issues. Uh, but, yeah, it adds... It's more than spiritual then, right? It's yeah. just like global perspective that's so helpful. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Any other questions for Mick? Uh, what's your favorite favorite place? That's a, that's a very hard question for me to answer. So you have to come back. Let me ask it this way. Let me ask it this way. This, in, in the last month, I don't know, you know, we're one of your groups that you're leading, but in the last month, what has been one of the most significant places for you to visit or to share about? You know, um, I, I think for, for me, it's, it's many places are, every place has its own significance. But um, sometimes, I mean, I mean, Past few pilgrimages I had um, when I was at the teaching steps, yeah. you know, the teaching steps, you know, when I stand there, because from there I can, the, those steps have been carved 2,000 years ago. And as I told you, I lived in the old city, so every corner almost in the old city I walked on. So every time I step on these steps, it just takes me, when I see the Hulda gates, the triple gates, you're going in the temple, out of the temple. Uh, it's just the idea of going there, the time of our Lord, you know, that when we say that uh, going in and out, and then I always remember the story how the Holy Family, how Mary and Joseph left Jesus and came back, they found him on these steps. Mm. Yeah. And every time I'm standing on these steps, I see my home, where I grew up, I see the Garden of Gethsemane, I see the city of David, you know, and it's just, it's just the impact of, when I see little kids running around, and then every, you know, when we preach the story of Jesus was left and they found him still there, you know, it's just always clicks to me, like it's amazing. It just reminds me of my childhood, safety, how they, he's gone and they're back, he's back there and he's teaching, you know, as a young. So this, sometimes it gets to me, especially when I'm looking, I grew up and very close to that place, you know, all the time. Yeah. How, cool. the, how the Jesus story intersects with your own story. Yeah. 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 On the teaching steps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, as the teacher goes to the teaching steps. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I have one more question, but I, I want you guys to go. Do you guys have any before I ask? Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Um, could you take a, a brief minute to sort of uh, help, help us understand or help other people understand uh, how folks have found a way to live sort of in harmony with one another here? I think that's lost uh, on us a bit. 
um, you know, that this is a sacred place for so many, and and that there's um, respect and and um, a cooperation. I mean, we understand we have a political problem in Jerusalem, and uh, but we do have a unity in a way because you see the rabbi is going to the synagogue or the Western Wall. You see the Orthodox priest going to his church, the Muslim going to the mosque. Because I think people, when they live together and they communicate, if there is a language, you know, you say good morning, you understand we are having breakfast at the same hummus place, you know. You know, somebody dies, you go give your respect. You don't have to be invited, you know, when you want to give condolences. Your neighbor, you know, he has a son or a daughter that wants to get married. And even if they don't invite you, you're passing by, you say congratulations. It just starts away, you know, rubbing shoulders on a daily basis. Helps to people to understand other, you know, you give space and you know how to, you know... Uh, communicate or let go, you know, when to say hello, when not to say hello. So with time, you know, sharing the same culture, food, you know, things develop. And be secure in what you do. You don't have to change people to what you believe, but respect their belief, it makes things easier. Now, if you look at the politics, that's complicated. We're not going to go there, but it is, you see how in daily life it works and it does work, you know. Yeah, that, that is um, something that, that we just don't have a picture of, and I don't think we do as well in the States, but there is a, uh, we're, we live together here, so we have to figure out how to love and respect and, and work alongside one another um, in a way that's really beautiful to see. Um, and adds to that piece of safety, right? The tensions that I anticipated uh, were not as tense <laughs> when I actually arrived. So, um, yeah. Um, kind of as a lead-in to our fun segment, I'll ask a question. As, <laughs> as one who has uh, been to the United States a couple of times, what are some of your favorite aspects about the United States that, that this area of the world does not share in common. Well, you know, actually, I lived in, in the States for a few years. Okay, college. yeah, yeah. And Where did you go to college? California State University. Okay, okay, okay. yeah. And in San Bernardino and then the Empire. But, um, well, um, you know, I, the thing that I love about the U.S. is space. <laughs> there is yeah. space. 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 space, not the space up, the space on the land. Yeah, that yeah. you can drive forever; it doesn't end. Here, after yeah. a few hours, you run out of my, you know, what we call highway road, and then there's something blocking you. You cannot cross the border. Yeah, that's one of my things I really miss. Yeah, and lots of like other stuff, food. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite American? What is your favorite? I like <laughs> that. That's, you know, I love lots of stuff, but you know, I mean, living in California, in and out burger. I, miss that. I dream about it. So the first thing when I land in LA is going to be a double double with cheese, double cheese and all that stuff, you know. Awesome. I've never had one and I'm so dying to have one. In and out burger. Cheese. Yeah. Uh, we, we, uh, a question that does come up over and over. Uh, when we're here is, and we don't have to get into the political stuff about about citizenship, but but you live in Jerusalem, but that doesn't mean you're a citizen of Israel. Of, of, of Israel. So uh, you've given us that classification before. So so, what are you? What are you, Nick? <laughs> what are you, Nick? <laughs> 
Well, I'm, how do you identify? Well, well I'm, a, I'm a Palestinian who grew up in Jerusalem, and um, Jerusalem is a complicated place uh, because of the war of 1948-67. But uh, today we are considered to be part of the you know greater. Uh, you know, Israel and Jerusalem is part is the capital of Israel. So I do carry um, uh, Israeli. Yeah, like that's something I I I could not have fathomed. But right, you you um, you know are a citizen of Jerusalem, Israeli in that way, right? But well, most 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 of the citizens in Jerusalem are classified as Jordanian because you know East Jerusalem was taken after for 1948 when okay. they recognized the state of Israel so in 67 the six day war added East Jerusalem with Israel and they moved the capital to Jerusalem so it made it an issue a very complicated issue so that complicated issue still standing until today and uh, we'll see how things go but uh, I mean I myself today you know I'm as a Palestinian Jerusalemite, you know, I cannot, I mean, I live in the state of Israel, so in, in, in a way, you know, we are part of it, but we still have our, our identity because I'm not Jewish, but I'm a Palestinian, and, and that, you know, we have a culture, we have a family history of two or three hundred years in Jerusalem, and many others share the same thing, so we have our own uh, way of doing things, uh, food, family ties, you know, and, you know, we live next to Jewish people in Jerusalem and they are our neighbors. So I, I don't feel, I feel comfortable. My kids feel comfortable. We, as long as there is no, you know, pressure from any sort, you know, political pressures and stuff like that. But, you know, things go up and down, but still we have managed to find a way to just sail through that. And it just doesn't, I mean, it's part of the, our life, daily life here today. So. And when other people look in on, on Israel, they would not put this list of things together, probably, right? right? That you are um, Palestinian, lives in Jerusalem, Christian, right? Uh, Israeli. Uh, yeah. Ish. Yeah. Ish. Christian or Muslim is the same, you know. It's yeah. just, let's say Palestinian because we share the same... We are sharing the same. Uh, we're on the same boat, here, yeah. you know, right. because we are uh, the number of the Palestinians. The story of a Palestinian is not just a Christian. It's just yeah. it's the people who live here. You know? Yeah, yes. And that's yeah. important for people to understand. You know, yeah. you know the Christians were here were about forty percent before 1948. Now much more minority, but the Christians and Muslims live together. They are one nation called Palestinians. Yes. So we don't like as Palestinians to define just ourselves as Christians. We yeah. are Muslims, Christians, living, we are Palestinians. Yes. So that's important to clear, yeah. whether you are in Jerusalem or the West Bank or anywhere or in Israel, we are Palestinian. Yeah. We live in Israel or the West Bank. We can be Christians or Muslims. And we all have the same culture, same love and to each other, and we live together. I, I think that's just so important for Americans to hear that. And you've said yeah, it before, like, what, like you know, it, it's a political problem, not a people problem. You know, these, these are neighbors. And we're not just Christians here. We are Palestinians. Yeah. We are Muslims too, and Christians. And we marry from each other. We have family. We have families who are Muslims and Christians, you know, and they are one household. So 
Yeah. And I hadn't heard this you articulate important. it that way before, but that's so cool. Like part of the way you all have found um, sort of shared peace and respect and cooperation is the naming yourself as Palestinian first, yeah. right? Instead we, of we are Palestinians. I mean, really, honestly, yeah. before anything else, yeah. this was called Palestine. Yeah. yeah, we are in the Palestinian province. They can call it a province, a country. And uh, we're part of the big Levant area, so you know, and things have changed, but it's fine. You know, you go with time, and it is what it is, and you just have to learn. We adapted, and, and yeah. we just said with that. I, yeah. yeah, and uh, I think we have a lot to learn from it. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we, we always wrap up just with something fun. How's that? Uh, but so, would, would, would you, Mick, rather uh, have shawarma or a cheeseburger? Uh, well, this is a tough question, man. Yeah. <laughs> I love shawarma and I love cheeseburgers. <laughs> because also I'm known as Mick Kim Miller. That's my English name. <laughs> The food man. <laughs> so I, so I make excellent burgers. Oh. I make. I have my shawarma machine at home. I'm a master on the grill. Oh. I can make. I can cook stuff. You know, I love cooking. So, you know, they're, they're, you guys have. You know, I mean, so I, I love both. Yeah. But, yeah. but the first thing I'm gonna do when I land, I need to taste the In-N-Out yeah. burger. It's been so long. I have to grab. Actually, one cheeseburger with grilled onion, one cheeseburger with regular onion, and to go um, um, one with the left hand, one with the right. Just so you can remember which one was better. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what about you guys? Now that Adam, you've been here, shawarma or cheeseburger? Oh, man. I mean, if it was like the street shawarma we had the other night, I'm going shawarma 10 times out of 10. I mean, it was it was so good. Like Gabe? It's so hard. What if I could have made a burger shawarma? <laughs> That's a good invention. That's a good idea. I like that. Mick will try it at his house. I guess. Okay. Yeah. Shawarma burger. Sarah? All right. I, 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 I deeply love coming to the Holy Land. I deeply love shawarma, but I am going to go cheeseburger because I, I sort of miss the mix of dairy and meat that, that you can't get here. And that's yeah. another podcast for another yeah. day. Uh, but yeah, the thought, the thought of cheese on my meat and bacon and bacon bacon yeah. <laughs> and bacon. Oh. All right, Larry boy. Uh, I, I'm just going to dinner at Mick's house. That's all there is to it. So. That's what I'm going to do next time. Yeah. So, hey, uh, thanks for joining us on Midnight Theology. Uh, we are really tired and in the middle of this pilgrimage, so we have no idea what we're going to talk about next month, uh, and we'll get with you soon. Uh, until then, remember that when it's midnight in Jerusalem, it's not at home. So we're going to bed. Night, y'all. Night. Night. Okay.